welcome to the Inspired Word of God. My name is Marcia. My subject today is Eye on the Prize. Philippians 3.14.15 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if any thing ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Speaking about the mark, it's a goal. It's a mark that we aim for in achievement. High are the things above in the heavenly realms. Calling and invitation, the divine call by which Christians are introduced into the privilege of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 7.20 says, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. This is for both those who know they have been called by God to do a work, such as in ministry, and those who have felt that nudge from God just for a deeper understanding of him, to get to know him and draw close to him. There are those who refuse to budge out of stubbornness, there are those who feel the knock of God on their heart, tap, tap, but they refuse to let him in. And then there are those who have opened their heart to him, but they're kind of sitting stagnant. Pressing toward the mark of a higher calling is something each of us will need to do if we expect to grow in Christ Jesus. If we expect to make it to heaven, to be with God forever in all eternity. You are not going to get beamed up suddenly. You're going to have to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You and God are the only two who know what your belief system is and where you stand in your faith concerning him. You cannot mistake the call of God within your spirit and upon your heart. Revelation 3.21 says, To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. To be an overcomer means to beat the odds, to get the better of in a struggle or conflict, to prevail over temptation and opposition to prevail over weakened and enfeebled state of weaknesses, to prevail over a particular mental or physical disability, to gain victory. It means that you do not stay down and call defeat. Whoever you are, whatever your situation or your ability or capability, if you put forth the effort and try, you can be victorious and you can be an overcomer. When we talk about pressing toward the mark, keeping your eye on the prize in this message, we are talking about pressing toward that higher calling that God has for you so that your reward will be in heaven for all eternity with him. That's the reward pressing toward the mark every day of your life, that is the goal. That righteous life, what does that mean 
to live a righteous life. It means to live according to God's word and do those things that he has instructed us to do. And that's on a daily basis that we should encounter this, that we should partake in this and strive to do. Nobody said that it would be easy. You still go through trials and tribulations. But if you put forth the effort to live how God wants you to live, he is there with you. He meets you more than halfway. There's many scriptures in the word of God that show us how to live righteously. But I have some examples that I wanted to point out because these are things that we kind of experience often and we don't think about it until it's brought to our attention. Let's start with Matthew 5, 27, 28. It says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. People argue against this scripture often. I've heard people actually say, well, that doesn't mean that I've committed adultery. I'm going to look at a woman or I'm going to look at a man. And they justify it and they say, well, that's not what that scripture says. That doesn't mean that I've, I'm guilty of committing adultery. That's what the scripture says. And you are. People will come up with every excuse to justify their behavior. But excuses only satisfy the person that's making them. If God says it's wrong and not to do it, then we shouldn't do it. And if you're already involved in such a thing, then stop. Matthew 5:19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do it and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So if you're reading the word of God and he tells you not to do something, and you ignore it because you want to do it anyway, and then you coax others to do it, you're going to have to answer for that to God. They're going to have to answer because they did it. You're going to have to answer because you did it. And then you're going to have to answer to him for coercing other people to do the same thing. We must understand that God is a forgiving God. He will forgive you all of your sins. The only time God will not forgive you of your sin is when you commit the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It says in Matthew 12, 31, 32, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against Holy Ghost should not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it should not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Blasphemy is cursing, irreverent behavior against a deity, insults. God says, don't blasphemy the Holy Spirit. I say, if you don't understand, then go in search of the scripture or ask. But it's better to use caution than to say something that's going to get you in trouble with God. I would even caution you 
for those churches that have altar call, not all churches do, but for those that do and the person goes down to the altar for prayer and people pray over them, you do not know if Holy Spirit is present or not. That person may be jumping up and down joyous, running around the church, screaming, crying, laughing, but you don't know if Holy Spirit has hit them or not. And it's best not to say that that's not Holy Spirit. They're faking. If they are faking their behavior, God knows and God will deal with them. But only God and that person know if that is Holy Spirit present. Even speaking in tongues, God knows and they know. So it's best not to say anything than to get yourself in trouble. Holy Spirit comes upon a person and he does not affect any two people alike. Like I said, somebody might be screaming and yelling and laughing and joyous and somebody else might be crying because of the power of Holy Spirit upon their, upon their spirit. Any and all other sin will be forgiven if you have a sincere heart, except for that one. So please keep that in mind. Your action speaks louder than your words, and you're not sorry for it or you wouldn't keep doing it. No matter how hard it is, no matter how strong the temptation, you either want to serve him and do it the right way, or you want to give in to your own personal pleasure and desires. Only you and God know what your temptation and struggle is. God can do anything, but he also places people in our path to help us. A great example would be there are doctors that he puts in our path to help us, but many times we don't want the doctor. We want God to do it the way we want God to do it, but he puts them in your path for a reason. And there's times when he will work through them and he will work through others to accomplish his goals and his purposes. And only he knows why he will choose to do it that way. We just have to trust and, and have faith that he will take care of the situation, be it directly or indirectly, and let it happen the way he wills it to happen instead of trying to make it the way we want it to happen. In Exodus 23, it says, Thou shalt not have no other God before me. In Deuteronomy 6.14, it says, Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of people which are round about you. And Deuteronomy 6.15, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. He tells us not to have any other gods before him, but many people do this every day. They are enthralled by celebrities, by rich people, by singers. People will idolize other people. They idolize cars, houses, money, places. We reject the idea when it's mentioned to us. But if we're honest with ourselves and we take inventory of our thoughts, of our likes, and of our desires, what we love, when we really sit back and take inventory of those things, 
I'm sure there's at least one or two things in there that we will find that we have idolized. And that's a big difference between liking something and glorifying it. You don't think that things can tempt you. So many people will say, no, I like that car or I like that house, but I don't idolize it. But things can tempt you. The devil thought he could tempt Jesus with things. In Matthew 4, 8 and through 10, it says, Again, the devil take him up into the exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. If Satan would take Jesus and try to tempt him with things, he will do the same thing to you. In Ephesians 5.5, it tells us, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. In Colossians 2.18, it tells us, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. There are many people out there who worship and idolize angels because they're heavenly beings. But we are not to idolize them. We are not to worship them. We are not to bow down to them. Only God gets that honor and glory. The disciple John was given visions by God and wrote in Revelation. And he received messages from angels. This is what he said in Revelation 22, 8 and 9. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then said he unto me, See, thou do, not, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book. He let him know right away, do not bow down to me, because I am your fellow servant. In First John five twenty and 21, it tells us, And we know that the Son of God is come and has given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. In Matthew seven twelve, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is that golden rule. God tells us to treat others the way we want them to treat us. But do we do that? I think that we get caught up in our day-to-day -day and we don't always give thought to this. 
And sometimes we might respond to somebody in a way that is not okay in the sight of God. Some of us deal with individuals in the workforce and then others deal with people, maybe an appointment or the grocery store. But we want respect from other people, but we don't think about giving that respect if somebody does something or says something that upsets us. Are we too arrogant and aggressive and important in our own feelings to consider how we respond to somebody else, how we may hurt their feelings? Do we look down upon people? Are we so rich in our billionaire status that we feel we can and say and treat people however we want to just because we have money? Or what about the person who isn't a billionaire? Do we have a right to talk to people any kind of way just because they're getting on our last nerve? Just because we are the CEO or we are the director or we are the person in charge, that important person. So we can say whatever we want to whoever we want and however we want because I said do it. That's why. I mean, we're still human. Every one of us are human and we were created by God. So who do we think we are? Why are we talking to people that way? Because I guarantee you, if they come at us that way, we're not going to like it. And many of us are going to respond in a very negative and nasty way. So if you want to be treated with respect, you got to give respect. That all important, arrogant feeling that we carry about ourselves, it's not going to buy us a place in heaven. It's not going to buy us eternal life. It's not even going to get us there. It's not the money that's going to get you there. It's whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's how you treat people in life. And it's how you conduct your life. Is it righteous or not? Matthew 5, 43 and 44. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemy, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. We have all at one time or another held hate in our heart for someone that we called our enemy. But for some of us, when we read these scriptures, we learn what we have to do to make that change, and we make the change. For others, they refuse to listen and do what the scriptures say because they're angry at the person and they're stubborn and they're determined they're not going to change their way. Pressing toward the mark of a higher calling and keeping your eyes on the prize. Are you pressing toward the mark and are you keeping your eyes on the prize when you refuse to love your enemy? I'm not saying it's easy to love your enemy. It takes prayer for yourself and prayer for them. It takes learning how to forgive. And they may remain your enemy in their eyes and refuse to talk to you and hate you. But for your sake and the sake of your soul, in the sight of God, you need to get past it and love your enemy and pray for them. And if you pray for them and you pray for you, 
you will feel a change come over your spirit and this will get easier for you. If they choose to continue to hate you, that's going to be between them and God. But when we talk about pressing toward the mark, which means to strive and overcome and achieve that higher calling of living a holy and righteous life for God and keeping our eye on the prize, which is making it to heaven for all eternity. How can you do that if you fight against what God has put in his word? In all of these things that we just talked about, I just gave you different examples from the scriptures as to what he tells us to do in living a righteous life. And there's many more in scripture to read and for us to do. But the lust of the eye, the golden rule, loving thy neighbor, idolization, falling into temptation. These are just some of them. There are many more. But as you study the word and you strive to do it, you will be heading toward the high mark with your eye on the prize. Philippians 3, 4, what I started off with. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If that call is for serving God, then let us do it willingly. If that call is an invitation to know him on a deeper level for your soul's sake, then run with all your might toward the higher calling, toward that mark, because our reward is a heavenly residence with God forever, and that is the prize. In Revelations 3.21, it tells us, To him that overcome will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. My closing prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you help each and every one of us as we strive day to day for that higher mark and to live that righteous life for you. It's not an easy task, but I pray your hand in our situation, and I pray that we will have the desire to serve you. I pray for those who are stagnant, who are stubborn, and who just don't know. But I pray that you open their heart. I pray that you open their eyes to see truths about you, your nature, and your word. And I pray that they will strive for that higher mark. In the name of Jesus, amen. And